same time, same station. Welcome back. I hope you got your third eye high. This is the Third Eye High Podcast. I am your host, JF Bay, and I'm just here to shine my light your way, help you find the light switch, and keep your light lit. And at Third Eye High, we deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. As we continue on with the book report series, I will be adding some very powerful literature that I encourage you add to your library. And we cover a lot of the true uh, historical accounts of the American story, right? Because they try to minimalize our story and just say, you know, well, Black History and Black History Month and this and that. When uh, American history or world history is our history because you can't tell the story without the original man and woman a part of the story, right? So I cover a lot of books that maybe uh, people are not privy to that correct the story of history, right? Because it starts off as his story, right? Someone had doctored up these events and I'm more like of a our story and right? Someone that uncovers our story, right? So as we continue on in this book report series, uh, you know, salute to everyone, subscribe to the podcast third eye high podcast on all streaming platforms right and the dope the dopeness about books right because we're in the time of the information information age where nobody reads anymore right but that saying still rings true if you want to hide something from these niggas (laughs) put it in a book right so a lot of this is going back to seeking out the truth right seek ye and ye shall find right the truth shall set you free right as the good book says and that truth sets you free because it it takes you out of being a prisoner of someone else's perception right you're no longer a prisoner of someone else's perception so i understand that you free your mind by controlling your consciousness right and truth is subjective right for instance they could push a bunch of propaganda and tell you you was a slave for 400 years and you could believe that or you could keep studying to to get the gist of this story to find out you know what this story is about uh i'm not adding any guests at the moment because i'm about to do this book review but if you have any questions about the the podcast please leave me a uh message there and i'll read it while i'm on air but i'm not taking any guests right now uh sit back get you some popcorn and definitely tune in because we're about to review an awesome book an awesome book but thank you for tuning in and today's book we're going to review is columbus and the quest for jerusalem how religion drove the voyage the voyages that led to america by Carol Delaney, right? This book is by Carol Delaney. And this is a fascinating book because this book um, goes over accounts that were recorded in Columbus's diary, right? And it speaks of what he saw when he showed up to the Americas and, you know, what he recorded and also the depiction of the people he saw when he came to the Americas. Now, 
historically, they're going to tell you that, you know, this, <laughs> he's seen a bunch of naked Indians with feathers and, you know, that's not what he saw when he came here. In fact, he saw people <laughs> of your complexion here that was here long before he arrived. So now it, it kind of dwarfs the story. It kind of dwarfs the story of like, they showed up to a land and fought some Indians and then they killed them off when it was millions of people here on the continents, millions of people, right? And then they went to another continent, to Africa, and stole millions of people and then brought them here. The story doesn't fit like that. Now, it would be easier to enslave the people in which the land you arrived to, right? You, you, you would find ways to do that or find other ways to misname these people and further and further detach them from being the original inhabitants of said land so we're gonna get into this man powerful book right here columbus and the quest for jerusalem how religion drove the voyages that led to america by carol delaney so we're gonna as we do in book in book review book report fashion we we bounce around and we read from a few excerpts from the book you know because i want you to to support the author so you know i don't want to you know <laughs> read the whole book to you this is an audio book but it is a dope review and i just pull out some some key things in the book that that uh stand out to me and that would encourage you to want to be invested in this story because there's no movies on this, right? They ain't never made a movie on Columbus, so they haven't really... And they made him the villain, right? They made Columbus the villain, like, yo, this thing came here for disease, and he ain't discovered nothing, and, you know, and nobody celebrates Columbus Day, and, you know, they changed it to uh, <laughs> Indigenous uh, Day, you know. So to get it right, right, they made him a villain, but believe it or not, there were more people that took claim of his works that should be vilified right that because remember he was on an expedition by uh queen elizabeth uh, queen isabella and king ferdinand right they they were the ones who fit the bill for this expedition now you know he takes the three ships the nina the penta the santa right all the shit they taught you in school but as we get deeper into the story you're gonna find out that a lot of that was cat or a lot of the the real story has been left out and in fact how why he was coming to the Americas in the first place. And here's the thing. Did he know where he was going? See, part of the story is like, oh, he was stumbling around and, you know, remember, he thought he was in India, so he called these people Indians when, no, the term Indian refers to the indigo people. This is the people of many shades. And all around the world where they went, they found these indigo people, which would be us, the melanated beings, the people of many shades. So his uh, initial expedition, he was coming to get some spices. And more importantly, he was coming to get some gold. So now everyone was, remember the gold rush and all that? Everyone was trying to come to this new land to find gold. And the, the concept uh, goes that the closer uh the closer you were to the equator you would find gold so they were looking for people of darker hues because they would 
signify, oh, it's some gold in this land. Henceforth, the melanated beans had golds up to their neck. Now, uh, Puerto Rico, Port, uh, Puerto Rico translates to rich port, rich port, right? Because remember, the Spanish-speaking people that are not from Spain, these Taino tribes, they, they, they are in fact Moorish. They are indigenous to the land. They are in fact our brothers and sisters. So now, when many of these sailors showed up to the port, they said, man, this is a rich port because the women wore the gold. The women had gold up to their necks. So imagine beautiful island women and you show up to a land you've never been to and these women got gold up to their necks and you riding around the seas looking for gold. So Puerto Rico, rich port, right? So a lot of this story is is uh, depicted in uh, this book here and they take a lot of excerpts from Columbus's diary. And a lot of the uh, diary uh, entries, there were letters and correspondence back and forth to his son, Diego. And in fact, Columbus never stepped foot in America, right? Now, he made it to, to parts of South America, but he never stepped foot in, the, in, in North America. He died long before the, <laughs> before the, the expedition uh, took place. In fact, his son, Diego, was the one who made it to the shores. But Columbus never even stepped foot in North America. <laughs> then they got the argument of uh, Amerigo Vespucci was, the, oh, that's where the name America comes from. Well, Amerigo Vespucci knew of Columbus. And in fact, he was the person trying to plagiarize a lot of the findings of Columbus. But again, in Columbus's own journal, we're going to go over, he speaks of the people that were already here. So you can't discover some shit if it's millions of people already civilized on the land. See, that was the, the great hoax that in history we perpetrate that story and we keep telling our kids that shit. And we, you know, they, they got streets named after Columbus, right? Columbus Circle, Columbus Square, right? So it's no way, you know, you're going to get around that story without having to tell the story. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Man, this is a powerful book. Um, and, and years ago, I didn't know this book existed, but... Because I'm a person seeking for the truth. Seek out the truth and you shall find it. But you have to seek it out with a sincere heart, right? I'm not trying to uncover this truth to beat people over there with the facts. I'm just trying to uh, clean a distorted lens on my third eye, right? Because I knew the world, you know, was giving me a perception that was all propaganda, Right. And if you're stuck in this, you know, suspended animation uh, period of time that, you know, your ancestors were just slaves and they didn't contribute nothing else to the world. When they keep telling you they stole your history, your culture, your language. So if somebody stole your culture, it has to be somewhere else. Right. Look around the world. We influenced all of the continents. This is why hip hop influences all of the continents, because everything that we did, that we created, that something from nothing, that spiritual alchemy, the rest of the world benefited from. Man, let's get let's where do I start? Where do I start? Um, and and believe it or not, because it speaks of the quest to find Jerusalem. Right. So now. Columbus was here on a religious feat, right? Because he was trying to find the, the biblical city of Jerusalem. 
Now, wait a minute. They tell you Jerusalem's over there in the Middle East. But Columbus was in America looking for Jerusalem. So where is this uh, biblical Jerusalem that they're speaking of? Well, at the time, Columbus thought uh, Jerusalem was in a city in Peru. In fact, Cusco, Peru was the city. Cusco, Peru was his destination to find this Jerusalem he was talking about. So let's see if he ever found this Jerusalem. Interesting stuff, man. And Columbus goes on to say, when he showed up, what he found, what he saw, people, etc. So now let's get into this. Because he, he came here and he started to um, speak of the people he saw, right? And as I said, uh, the way Columbus described it, that the closer you were to the equator, that's where the gold would be found. And if the closer you were to the equator, right, it's mostly hot. So the people would have to be of a darker hue. So that already takes out the myth of, or the, the, the false story, the false narrative of these pale-faced so-called Indians that they later swapped out with you. Because these native tribes that you see now on these uh, reservations... They're mixed Mongolians, right? Their, their bloodline goes back to the Mongolians. The, the oldest so-called skeleton they found of a Native American isn't even half of a fraction of the, the, the skeleton they found Lucy, right? You remember Lucy? was one of the oldest so-called Negroid women, African women skeletons that they found. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of years old. <laughs> so... The, the skeletons they found of these so-called Native Americans don't predate Lucy. So to be the mother of civilization, you had to be a melanated woman. So now these later tribes that would get treaties and reservations and casinos and all this from the government, they were the tribes, remember the five civilized tribes? They were the new tribes to perpetrate the Indian story and to wipe out the story of the American Indian. Henceforth, two different class of people. You had Native American and then you had American Indian. What's the difference? In the end, they called you the Indian. Remember, remember that famous joke we all used to tell? I got Indian in my family. Oh, my grandma looked like, well, my grandma, great-grandma looked exactly like an Indian. Two ponytails in her hair, the whole nine. Hair down down, down to her damn knees. Very light complexion. And she wasn't, you know, raped by no slave master or nothing. We produce all shades of people. So that concept of that Indian in your family thing, you were the Indian. But... They had to change the story. But then if I just tell you you're an Indian and then you're going to argue that title or that club. But remember, we went by many names and we, we had different tribes and we practiced different faiths. We weren't all Muslim. We weren't all Christian. We weren't because the oldest Christian church, they have the, the Coptic church in Ethiopia predates the Roman church by hundreds, hundreds of years. So. A lot of people keep telling you, you know, well, they use the Bible to enslave us. And this happened in pockets of the land. But remember, if I give you the wrong interpretation of the book, you become a slave to the book. That doesn't mean the book doesn't have power. And that doesn't mean that we weren't 
those apostles in the book. See, the book had to be written by us. You're talking about the times and the dark ages and all that. These Europeans couldn't read or write. They were illiterate. All the way up to the 1900s, many of them were illiterate even in America and Europe. So these old works, they couldn't be the scribes of them. Now, in the later uh, uh, reproductions of these Bibles and the, the, you know, the new versions and the new New Testament and, the, and all that stuff, yeah, they got their name on that. They put the spin on that. But when you go back to these original books, if you read them with a spiritual overtone, with your third eye high, look at this stuff esoteric and don't take it literal, you can see the game that your ancestors put down in those books. Because all of the books were teaching you to master the heaven and hell that exists within your temple, higher self, lower self. Man, but let's get into this, man. Chapter 8. We're going to go to chapter 8 from Columbus and the quest for Jerusalem. How religion drove the voyages that led to America by Carol Delaney. Chapter 8, Paradise Found and Lost Columbus was oblivious to the rebellion happening in Hispaniola. He was glad to be exploring again, but he was preoccupied. He knew that if he did not soon find major sources of gold, spices, and other valuables, the enterprise of the Indies would come, and would come to an end, and so too would his dream of financing the crusade to Jerusalem. Now keep in mind, his enterprise of the Indies. Remember, he was going to the Indies. He went to the islands. Now, what do they call most of the people from the island? Don't they call you West Indian? So wait a minute, you got a problem with being called an American Indian, but if I call you a West Indian, see, territorial, you, you resonate with that. But do you see how <laughs> they got us broke off in all these different clubs and they're talking about the same people? So this enterprise of the Indies would come to an end. And so, too, would his dream of financing the crusade to Jerusalem. See, he's trying to find the biblical city of Jerusalem, which he was going to South America, a city called Cusco, Peru. So now the Garden of Eden and all this stuff the Bible talking about, it's all talking about America. See, they have you thinking that, you know, the cradle of civilization starts in Africa. But you remember this whole landmass was connected. Pangea, everything fits like a jigsaw puzzle. So what if you're in the most extreme West, so-called West Africa? Now you would kind of put your, 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 your mind back in, 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 into a, a framework of, wait a minute. I never left the land that they say they took me from. Right. They just came and stole the land from the people. And this is why they got to keep telling the story that they took you from somewhere else. Because that reparations conversation becomes a lot bigger now. Now it's like, well, wait a minute. How much do they really owe us? See, that national debt that you see the country, you know, who the hell they owe money to? They owe money to us, the indigenous people of the land. That's what that national debt clock's about. And if they had that real conversation with you, it's going to be a problem. So they got to, you know, find a way to, oh, we're going to give you a couple hundred thousand dollars. We're going to, they're always trying to downplay it when you are the original landlords of the land. Come on, man. We, if you can't say that the so-called black man and black woman is God and, and we are the mother and fathers of civilization, if you're not the first inhabitants of all the continents. 
but but historically you can find evidence that proves this now a lot of these people wrote themselves in the story as the story was going on let's continue though the sovereigns were becoming anxious about the expense of the expensive voyages that had resulted in so little return las casa captured the importance of this voyage to columbus when he wrote truly this man had a good and christian purpose was thoroughly content with his station in life and wished to live modestly therein and to the rest from the great hardships which he had undergone so um meticulously but he saw that his signal service were held of slight value and that suddenly the reputation that these indies at first had enjoyed was sinking and declining by reason of those who had the ear of the sovereigns when sovereigns we're talking about the king and the queen so that day by day he feared greater disfavors and that the sovereigns might abandon the enterprise altogether and that he might thus see his labor travail go for naught and he in the end die in poverty for columbus the enterprise was not just about finding gold he felt that his discovery of islands in the sea all the people to be converted to the holy christian faith and of a new route to the east were as important as finding riches now stop here remember they converted all these people to christianity remember they're talking about their form of christianity vidi vedi vici right and this sign we conquer where the church was going to use god's word to subjugate the people now if this nigga's looking in the bible talking about i'm going to find jerusalem so you're going to a land that you you call the, the 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 holy land and it's people already on the holy land how you know that they not already rooted in the faith in fact probably more rooted in the faith than, than these imitators but just look at the contradictions but a lot of this stuff is from his diary but continuing on but the issue of gold was ever present and the source of it had to be found soon the sovereigns asked jamie fryer a, a lapidar with extensive knowledge about the probable about the probable location of gold and gems to write to columbus and suggest that he goes go further south on this voyage since gold ought to be found nearest the equator see gold is to be found nearest the equator most of ferrera's letter was taken up with stories of the achievements of great men of antiquity with whom he favorably compared columbus adding judgment to make known his holy name is unknown regions slowly ferrer came to the topic at hand prefe uh prefacing prefacing the gem of wisdom he was meant to communicate he wrote that temporal things are not evil or repugnant to the spiritual things if they will be for the service of god and of all christianity especially of this our spain those words were calculated to ease columbus's conscience for though his ultimate goal was the liber liberation of jerusalem he's going to liberate jerusalem you're going to invade a land to liberate it <laughs> you're too kind 
He was not so naive as to think that could be accomplished without gold. Fervor went on to give his opinion that within the equinodal, the uh, equinodal regions, there are great and precious things, such as fine stones and gold and spices and drugs. <laughs> they was coming to get the drugs, <laughs> which are from a very hot region, where the inhabitants are black or tawny. Hmm. Where the inhabitants are black and tawny. So they're speaking of these people at this land that they're coming to to find gold. All of these people are of a dark complexion. Not black people, but remember, a black is a description, but it's not a nationality. Black or tawny. So a lot of these mixed people all through history, some of the presidents, Abraham Lincoln, he referred to him as tawny. Abraham Lincoln represented a brother that, you know, basically was suing to say he was a Moor. So now, understand this. When they had these different terms, they would call you a mulatto still meaning you're, you're so-called melanated they would call you tawny right so so a lot of the presidents would have that you know his mother's tawny and this that and the other when it was just like you know he had the curly or frizzy hair and you know he had a questionable bloodline right when they couldn't tell you that they were of the melanated people but let's get back Interesting. So they knew that most that most of the people when they were coming here were going to be of a darker complexion and they knew they weren't in Africa. So if there were dark skinned people here in the Americas, why would you have to go all the way around the world to Africa to bring some dark people here to a land where dark people are already here? Make it make sense. And, and, and keep in mind, they speak of in uh, this book. In Columbus's diary, they speak of the times he's begging for more money to, to, to further his expedition because many times he came up empty-handed looking for gold. So keep in mind, the, the king and the queen was fitting the bill for these expeditions and this shit wasn't cheap. So how were you making these hundreds and hundreds of trips back and forth to Africa? Who fit the bill? Then, then keep in mind, you needed money to uproot colony to run a colony just just look at this shit as business today like it, it, it isn't financially feasible but let's continue uh, 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 here we go inhabitants are black or tawny fervor concluded that if columbus found such people he would also find the valuables see so he was searching and looking for dark-complected people. Because nine times out of ten, these people probably live close to the equator and they knew it was some gold to be found in these lands. This information about the location of gold was hardly news to Columbus. He already knew of Aristotle's theory that gold grew closer to the equator and had seen confirmation of it in, in Sao George de Mina. He also knew that people living in similar latitudes would have similar characteristics. And thus, he assumed that other people living near the equator like the blacks in Africa he had seen would also be black. So where is these Native Americans at that he's talking about? These American Indians 
He's saying they all black complexion. Like the people in Africa. Oh, is that why the Nile River connects to the Mississippi River and we were going back and forth from continent to continent doing trade for thousands of years before this guy even showed up? Oh, right. Columbus followed the sovereign's plan to sail further south than he had on his first two voyages and only then turned to the west. He had left from the port of San Lucer de uh, Barramida on May 30th, 1498, with six ships and headed for the Canaries as usual. Now, keep in mind, he landed in the Canaries, right? The Canary Islands are like a hundred miles off the coast of Morocco in Africa. Now, Morocco was the kingdom of Africa and Morocco. So understand what was going on. Also, you had the Barbary slave trades that later came where these white sailors would get their ships confiscated and they would be enslaved in Africa. So if you were getting enslaved in Africa by the Corsairs, the pirates, the Moorish pirates, how in the hell were you going back and forth stealing people coming to the Americas with African slaves? That shit was cat. Now be clear, I'm not saying they didn't enslave our people I'm telling you, they enslaved you from your own land. And that's key in this reparations conversation. It's very key. They owe your ancestors a whole lot more than 40 acres and a mule. He had left the port, right, in, 14, uh, in uh, 1498 with six ships and headed for the Canaries, as usual. Right? The Canary Islands. 100 miles off the coast of Morocco in Africa. So all of this stuff is showing you how it's all tied together. In fact, the, the famous song that the Marines sing, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, the, 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 the Marines are talking about defeating the Africans, the Moors, our people. From the halls of Montezuma, South America, to the shores of Tripoli, Africa. That's the song that the Marines sing. Interesting, huh? In fact, the Marines and the Navy didn't exist until they were fighting the Moors, the Barbary slave trades. Many of these white captives would, would raise money in America at churches to buy back their slave brethren that got captured and became white slaves in Africa. So if they were becoming white slaves in Africa, how were they stealing slaves from Africa? <laughs> oh, they just told you they stole you from Africa. Right. Well, which part? Because there's 52 nations in Africa. Why don't you know? Why don't we all know? Why haven't they gave us that, that answer to that million dollar question? Right. Everybody just perpetrating that victim mentality. Now, why haven't any nations from Africa spoke up on our behalf? to further this reparations conversation because it's all cap. And a lot of those tourist attractions in these African countries all oh, come to the slave dungeon and this is where the slaves were waiting to be on the ship. Really? Really, nigga? They're making up fake monuments, B. <laughs> so you niggas can spend tourist dollars and, you know, go to Ghana and see the slave dungeon. Yo, this is where they waited for the ship. Really, B? That's not liberation, and that's not empowering for me to stand there and say, yeah, my ancestors were standing here. 
But what about all your ancestors that fought and died here in this land? You don't have no pride with stuff in this land? You, you tripping over pyramids that was made in America older than the ones in Africa. Oh, okay, right. But we're so prideful about our history. And we keep saying that our culture was stolen. But when you gonna get it back? When you gonna be on some killmonger shit and, and take back, you know what I mean, your ancestors' artifacts? You feel me? Get on your spiritual killmonger shit. You know, salute. Salute to my brother, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, and, and Wakanda, right? So now, it goes on to say, after separating from the other three ships here, he sailed south towards Cape Verde Islands, located off the west coast of Africa, not far from the places Columbus had visited when he sailed for the Portuguese years earlier. While not quite at the equator, these islands were close enough. All that latitude in Africa, Columbus had already seen gold and people who were black. He reasoned that if he sailed due west on the same latitude, he would find black people and gold on the other side of the ocean. So pay attention. He's trying to parallel the lands in Africa with the lands over here. I'm going to see the same people on both sides of the world. You don't say. He reasoned that if he sailed due west on the same latitude, he would find black people and gold on the other side of the ocean. In the process, Columbus would also be able to discover whether there was any land before he reached the line of demarcation. 370 leagues west of Cape Verde Islands, that was set by the Treaty of Tordesillas. Columbus prayed that he would not find any undiscovered land east of the line because he did because if he did and there was gold it would belong to portugal when he reached the cape verde islands columbus was surprised to see that they were not as verdant and fertile as the coast of africa he had seen the cape verde islands he remarked have a false name since they are so barren that I saw not no green in them, and all the people were infirm, so that I did not dare to, re to remain in them. However, he did exchange some of his fresh Castilian victuals for, uh, for the local salted goat meat. While anchored at one of the smaller islands, Columbus learned that lepers came thither to be cured by the leprosy because of the great abundance on that island of turtles. By eating their flesh and washing repeatedly in their blood, they are cured of leprosy. Columbus went on to describe the life cycle of the turtles and the inhabitants' methods of catching them. That's interesting that he's talking about these turtles, that they ate these turtles and these turtles will cure them of leprosy. Now, remember, the continent of North America and South America is shaped like a turtle. They called the Americas turtles island in fact the indigenous people of the land called it turtle island millions of years before columbus was even thought of but it's ironic that he speaks of this this influx of turtles on this island when he shows up jewels on top of jewels okay so where, where are we uh yeah on july 4th 1498 columbus left the cape verde islands and set his course due west 
Two weeks later, he had still not found any land. Instead of land, the ships hit what was come to be known as doldrums, an area in the mid-Atlantic known for its lack of wind, and they became absolutely becalmed. So suddenly and unexpectedly did the wind cease and the excess, excessive and unusual heat come on that there were no one who would dare to go below to look after the cast of wine and water, which burst, snapping the hoops of pipes and the wheat burned like fire, the bacon and salt meat roasted and, and petrified. This heat and fire lasted eight days. Columbus must have been beside himself with wanting desperately to get on with his explorations. But his long training and patience came in handy. Fortunately, several of the days were overcast. If the sun had been shining, Columbus said it would have been impossible for even one of them to escape with his life. No doubt their sufferings in the sweltering heat was exasperating because, as was seamen's customs, the men never remove their heavy, dark woolen clothes. And let's keep in mind, he's doing this expedition trying to come to the Americas and he's talking about the strenuous heat conditions that niggas is passing out. They saying they food is spoiling, all this other stuff. So how the hell are they going to America, then to Africa, then from Africa back to America? Make that make sense. Where are they getting water from? Where are they going to store all these people? Remember, the, the, the picture they show you of these, these Africans on these ships, these are paintings. They can't show you a real picture. They show people depicted like sardines, you know, head to foot type shit. That couldn't happen. Because 99% of the people that would arrive would all be dead. They would die from uh, exhaustion. They would die from heat exposure. They would die from feces and disease and all this other shit that was on the ship. So this stuff didn't make any sense. And if you was bringing back all these slaves that were your property, you was going to lose your money because your slaves wouldn't show up in a condition to be able to work. So make that make sense. Wouldn't it be better to just kidnap and enslave some people that are already on the land, that know how to work the land they living on? So you, you telling me that our people from all the way from Africa, they took us from Africa, brought us over here, and we learned how to work the land better than the settlers and all the people that was on the land for some time? We just It, it just was second nature? Or were you already cultivating the land and they just observed you and then slowly but shortly moved in? And started to rename the groups of people and pit people against each other. In fact, look at look at the island of uh, Dominican Republic and Haiti, right? Same landmass, but they got the people totally against each other. Two different classes, but all melanated people. See, they they rule by this divide and conquer concept. Continuing on, uh, Columbus must have been beside himself, right? Uh, dangerous exploration. Finally, the, wine, the wind picked up and they were able to set sail again. But because some of their food had spoiled and they were running out of fresh water. Key word, running out of fresh water. So if I got hundreds of slaves on the bottom of my ship, where am I going to store the water? And remember, you can go... 90, 
120 days. You know, Dr. Sabi went 120 days without eating. But, but you can't go a week without water. So imagine these people months and months on the seas with limited supplies of water. What kind of condition would these people be in when they showed up? If they were alive, if any. Because in the book I went over earlier in the podcast, on the book review series, the book report series, the book White Cargo, they speak of the first uh, ships coming from Europe bringing white slaves. And in fact, it was one ship where there was 1,500 people and... 1400 of them were dead when the ship arrived in the America and that was just from Europe to America let alone Africa to America make it make sense where are they going to store the water remember if you got water on your ship you know of buoyancy right you know about the ship floating and and the heavier the, the, the ship is the harder it is to sail it right so if you got all these weight from people and then the weight from your supplies and your crew and then food and water and and, and stuff like that it, it, it doesn't make sense it doesn't seem financially possible and then to make hundreds of ships and hundreds of trips in these ships hundreds of trips in these ships bars and all of these ships seem to disappear off the face of the earth if, if you were to research it, all of the so-called slave ships, they all were damaged. Seriously, caught by fire, sunk. The only one they have is a replica in the Baltimore and in, in Merlin in the museum. And they keep talking about the last ship in slavery, the Kaleida, and they're, they're coming out with a new slave movie on that ship. But that was the ship that they stopped at the port that was supposedly bringing people from Africa in 1804. But keep in mind, the Louisiana Purchase, 1804 and all that. So half of the America wasn't called America. So if you weren't in the 13 colonies and you were in another state that wasn't a state or wasn't a part of the colonies, they could say they took you from another country. So you see how the books can convolute the story and you thinking that these people were imported and shipped in when they was just brought from another state to another state. Interesting shit goes on to say um, he had continued due west and he would very quickly have come to the north coast of South America instead on the last day of July a man kept watch in the crow's nest sighted an island that Columbus did not know when the island's three hills came into view Columbus named the island Trinidad Trinidad as a sign that the Holy Trinity was watching over this voyage. Then, as usual, he had the whole crew assemble on deck to give thanks with prayer and song. In his journal, he wrote, as if to the sovereigns that, if pleased, our Lord, by his divine majesty, that on the first sight there were three rocks, I mean mountains, all in a group, all at once and in a single view. May his almighty power guide me by his charity in such wise that he will that he be well served and your highnesses have much pleased for it is certain that the finding of this island in this region was a great miracle as great as the discovery on the first voyage. So Columbus pops up to the land and says, yo, this reminds me of the Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity, right? The mother, the son, and the son of the son. Man, woman, and child. 
right? Not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's that. That's that's cap. We talking about the the root of civilization, the mother, the son, and the son of the son, man, woman, and child. So they call this place Trinidad. Now keep in mind, the people that they found on the land were of dark complexion, just like the people in Africa. So they didn't take people from Africa and bring them to an island, and now these Trinidadians are Africans that are living in Trinidad. Nope, these are the original inhabitants of the island of Trinidad, our people. No different from the people in Africa, but we're not the people from Africa. Do you understand? We already from this land, but I'm trying to tell you that we're one and the same. Do you understand what I'm trying to like get you to wrap your head around? Okay, so moving on. The men reached the island at the hour of Comblain, but the harbor was too shallow to enter. They sailed on until they found a safe place to anchor, where they would also find fresh water and be able to bathe. Columbus had never seen natives like the ones they now encountered here. Hmm. He never seen natives like the ones he encountered here. So what were the people he seen when he showed up in Trinidad? Columbus had never seen natives like the ones they now encountered here. They wore their hair long and smooth and cut in the manner of Castile. They had their heads wrapped in scarves of cotton. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying. Women had their hair wrapped in turbans. Hmm, who are these people? No, they wasn't like funky island people. They wasn't running around naked and, 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 and uncivilized. Nope. He said the people of Castile. Now he's talking about these nobles of Spain. Now keep in mind, before it was called Spain, it was called Al-Andalus. And it was ruled for 800 years by the Moors, our people. Now the Moors go into bondage in 1492. In fact, there's a story that goes why April Fools was started. April Fools. The last uh, war down by Florida in Granada, right? The island of Granada was where the Moors had their stronghold, right? And this was the last time where we fell. One of the last uh, of the few battles, right? Because there was always still battles going on. And they were telling a lot of these uh Moorish inhabitants, you know, you guys could go back to your land before we invade it, or, or you guys can go back to your land while we invade this other part of the land. And they loaded up the ships and they said, you know, we're going to allow you guys to get out of here before we rape and pillage the land. And April Fools, our people loaded up on the ships and they blew the ships up. This was the concept of April Fools, right? And, and remember, April Fools, right? Because this was the day Columbus set sail on his voyage. In fact, March 31st on my, on my solar return. And it's no coincidence that, you know, my ancestors got me today uncovering these types of stories, right? Our people don't care about history, but I'm the kid that I got straight A's and B's in school, but I got expelled out of school because I got kicked out of every history class. I would debate with all my history teachers, not just to be an asshole, but I seen that they was like, you know, dumbing us down. They was whitewashing the history and they was basically indoctrinating us. So I would research the shit they was teaching us in school and I would come back with my own research and the teacher would go off. He'd be livid. You know what I'm saying? He got out of my class. This guy disrupted my class. So I would be the class clown. I would roast this nigga. You know what I'm saying? All right. 
Def Comedy Jam it is, my nigga. So I'm like, yo, just because you old as hell, that don't mean you was in history. You know what I'm saying? You got gray hair, but you wasn't there. You know, I was just clown dude. But as I started to speak with the principal, he knew like, nah, dude, you know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not, uh, you know, crazy. You, you just, you know, serious about wanting to know your people's story. So long story short, I end up graduating, you know, school, get my diploma like everyone else. But I turned in book reports of my own and the principal saw that I got a grade for all of my history classes. So I didn't do the, the regular work that everyone was doing in the history class. I was doing my own independent study. Henceforth, today, I'm doing my own independent journalism. So now let's continue on. Right. Here's what he saw. Columbus had never seen natives like the ones they now encountered here. They wore their hair long and smooth and cut in the manner of Castile. They had their heads wrapped in scarves of cotton, worked elaborately in colors, which I believe were Almazirs, a kind of head covering worn by Moors in Spain. They wore another of these scarves round the body and covered themselves with them in place of drawers. So these people that he's seen in Trinidad were dressed just like the Moors he saw in Spain. You don't say. Now we're not talking about a group of people. I'm not a Moor, I'm a Hebrew, I'm a this or that. And that, that story later has us further fighting each other. This is Columbus, the nigga that they said discovered this land, which you know was Cap. He's telling you the people he saw when he showed up. They're not talking about no pale-skinned Indians. He said, yo, these people had their heads wrapped, very civil. You know what I'm saying? Garments, silks, linen. They had this shit in America. Pay attention. This is it's showing you who are the mother and fathers of civilization. So he's seen these people like, oh, shit. The noblemen are here, too. I gotta read that again. Columbus had never seen natives like the ones they now encountered here in Trinidad. They wore their hair long and smooth and cut in the manner of Castile. They had their heads wrapped in scarves of cotton. So we already had cotton before they said niggas was picking cotton. Pay attention. So keep in mind, who could cultivate the land for cotton other than the people that was already cultivating the land for cotton for themselves see what's going on it can make sense were wrapped in scarves of cotton worked elaborately in colors which I believe were Almazirs a kind of head covering worn by Moors in Spain they wore another of these scarves round the body and covered themselves with them in place of drawers because the natives spoke a language that none on board had even had ever heard Columbus asked the ship's musician to play the tambourine a kind of drum and encouraged the ship's boys to dance as a gesture of hospitality and friendship. But the frightening natives misinterpreted the gesture as an announcement of war and took up their bows and arrows. When Columbus saw this, he ordered the music stopped. 
bows and arrows. So he said these people of a dark complexion, they look like the Moors in Spain, they had their head wrapped in turbans, and they thought it was war, and they whipped out their bow and arrows. Hmm, didn't they tell you Indians had bow and arrows? Right, in the end, they were talking about melanated people. That's the secret they're hiding. Interesting. When Columbus saw that, he ordered the music stopped. The, the pilot of one of the other ships attempted to make contact by, by pro-offering gifts. But the natives left in their canoes and were not seen again. See? We were riding in canoes. We, man, we were these master navigators. Just like we had those little red corvettes. <laughs> and we was those Barbary pirates over there in Morocco. Enslaving these white slaves on the seas. So how was they going around looking for slaves? When they was victims on these seas, B. <laughs> Interesting. When Columbus saw that he ordered, right? Saw that the music stopped. The natives took off on their canoes and were not seen again. On August 4th, as Columbus sailed along the south coast of Trinidad, he could see the coast of South America. At the time, however, he assumed it was just another island, and he named it the Isle of Garcia. Between Garcia and Trinidad lay a narrow strait that led into a large gulf, but that came a current from the south. But there came a current from the south, a strong as a mighty flood, with such great noise and din that it terrified all hands that they despaired of escaping and the other ocean water which confronted it from the opposite direction caused the sea to rise making a great and lofty tidal wave which tossed the ship on top of the bore a thing which none had ever heard or seen the ships may have been lifted up on a water spout or bore a nautical term for a dangerous wave caused by the collision of different tidal currents or raised on a wave caused by some kind of volcanic activity. Now remember, they're talking about the tropical climates. So now when they're coming around South America, you got what the Gulf, the Gulf uh, streams and all these different uh, bodies of water that they're not used to navigating. So like the water, the seas is, is, is fucking them up. Now, mind you, this is trying to find the Americas. So you mean to tell me they're going to go to Africa and then come all the way back to America? They wasn't the best navigators. In fact, many of their people died trying to make the trip from England. Interesting stuff. Let's, let's continue on. We're going to read a few more from here. Uh, the ships may have been lifted upon the water right okay uh the huge waves could have easily been capsized could have capsized the ship but somehow columbus managed to keep it upright he named the strait boca de la cephra the mouth of the serpent later when columbus described this event to the sovereigns he said even today i feel that fear within me lest the ship be swamped when she came beneath it having survived the treacherous strait the men sailed into the Gulf and searched for a harbor of Garcia. On land, Columbus was pleased by the grapes that grew plentiful there, and something he described as an orange with an inside like a fig. It was a guava. So he's finding all this vegetation, this fruit, he's finding guava, he's finding grapes, all of this stuff in, these, in this tropical climate, but he's in the Americas. Now this is what the biblical Bible's talking about, 
the Garden of Eden. That was the Americas they was looking for. Everybody was looking for the Garden. Everybody was looking for uh, Jerusalem, which were which he thought was the city Cusco, Peru, and he was trying to find the Fountain of Youth. And he was speaking of all of these great lakes that would meet together and form one body of water. All of that happened in America. Continuing on. Having survived the treacherous strait, the men sailed into the Gulf, right, in the search of a Garcia. Columbus was pleased. He saw the grapes, right? He also saw many uh, Gauto Palos, monkeys. The Europeans saw a multitude of oysters hanging on branches with their tiny mouths open to receive the dew, which the explorers believed created pearls. Soon natives appeared bearing uh, bread and several kinds of wine, one which Columbus said was made from maize and all of which he enjoyed. See? So they gave him some wine made out of corn. So we were cultivating all of these things. Remember, we taught Europe how to, the process of making wine and all that, and they make you think that France and all that shit started that. Uh-uh. They showed up to our lands and got the game and brought it back. Interesting. Goes on to say, Columbus was, in, was entrenched with this place which the natives called Pariah, part of Venezuela today. From there, and mind you, he's invented, he's all through South America and he's saying the people all are dark complected. Keep that in mind. From there, he took four natives on board with the hope that they would act as guides along the coast of Pariah. See, they couldn't get around if they didn't have our people as guides. Now, of course, you you know, I ain't going to say a person sold out, but everybody was making money. This was all about commerce. But for them to say that they just rounded up these ships and was navigating around the world, stealing people, that shit was cat. And they didn't let a lot of people know what they were up to. You know, they go, oh, we trying to find some gold and this, that, and the other. So they would entice the natives, you know, giving them gunpowder all kind of shit and you know different stuff and a lot of them wanted brass and different uh metals that weren't uh native to the land so you know of course barter and trade here we go columbus uh here we go we go uh the people they met were eager to trade their gold ornaments for european brass because of its copper content natives very much likely like the smell of copper columbus suspected these ornaments were not pure gold and later when he was able to send some to Spain to be analyzed, he learned that they were made of an alloy of gold, silver, and copper called uh, uh, gunning by the natives and obviously far less valuable than either gold or silver. He was perplexed, though, for the people at Pariah were whiter than those with whom he was acquainted, and the weather was so cool that he had to wear a linen coat. So now he's talking about going further inland, but he's seeing various shades of people. So it now kind of throws him off like, man, I thought the closer I am to the the, uh, equator, I'm going to find gold and the people are going to depict those living close to the equator. But remember, in these tropical lands or in South America, you got indigenous people of all shades. Don't mean that they were raped and mixed and all this. Nope. We produce all shades of people. After their days sweltering in the heat, the men now shivered from the cold. Yet anthropological and geographical 
theories of the time purported that it would be hot near the equator and the people would be black because they would be scorched by the sun. Columbus believed he was at the same latitude as Sierra Leone, not far from the equator. He would likely have been concerned about this turn of events since the color of the people and the climate were at variance with the prevailing theory. This did not bode well for finding gold. Columbus wished he had more time for exploring the area, especially when he saw women wearing strings of pearls around their necks and learned that the pearl fisheries were not too distant. Remember I told you, rich ports. He saw the same thing when they pulled up to Puerto Rico when they invaded the settlers later and they called Puerto Rico which translates to rich port. The women had gold up to their necks, but he's saying in, in this land, would, which would be Venezuela today, the women had pearls up to their neck. Columbus wished he had more time for exploring the sea, especially when he saw women wearing strings of pearls around their neck and learned that the pearl fisheries were not too distant. But at this point, he was waking up to the reality that the colonists of Hispaniola were expecting the supplies he had on board and most of the food was already rotten. And the canonical hour of terrace, Columbus exited the Gulf of Pariah through a dangerous channel and encountered another terrifying boar, grateful to be released from what he called the Boca de la Dragon, the dragon's mouth, Columbus collapsed due to fatigue and burning eyes. He asked God to release him from such pain, which he so often endured for the sake of the voyage. For he knows well that I do not bear these sufferings to enrich myself or to find treasures for myself. For certain, certainly I know that everything in this age is vain, except what is done for the honor and service of God, which is not the amassing of wealth and riches and many other things which we use in this world, to which we are more favorable than to the things which can win salvation for us. So this nigga sounding super religious, B. Like he's saying, you know, I'm on God's quest, man. And, you know, he's trying to find the gold as a formality to, you know, basically pay back the king and the queen that, you know, fitted the bill for this expedition. See, they're only worried about the gold. They're not, yo, go find the land and find slaves. That wasn't the concept. They was trying to get the bag you know what i'm saying and the bag some spices and whatever else of value they could take along the way and of course try to convert some people that are already faith people themselves interesting while lying in bed with his eyes closed columbus had time to reflect on what he had seen and experienced recalling the strong flow of water from the the river and knowing that neither the Ganges nor the Euphrates nor the Nile carried so much fresh water. He came to the conclusion that he had discovered not another island as he had first thought, but Terra Infinita, a continent. Only from a continent, he said, can water exist with such force and be carried so far out into the sea. In his letter to the sovereigns, he wrote, I have come to believe that this is a mighty continent, which was hitherto unknown. I am greatly supported in this view by reason of this great river and by this sea, which is fresh 
And I am also supported by the statement of Idris in book four, chapter six, which says that six parts of the world consist of dry land and one part water. This work was approved by St. Ambrose in the Examarune and by St. Augustine in his commentary on the passage of uh, Mortier Forblius Mius uh, Crestus, as cited by Francisco de Marones. He had, in fact, come upon the Arunco, the Arunco River on what, would, what we know as the South American continent. If he imagined he had found a fourth part of the world, he was not ready to say, so as it would have challenged the conventional and canonical view. Instead, he probably thought he had found a part of Asia, unknown to ancient authorities whom he, cited, he cites, or to Marco Polo, or simply not yet explored by Europeans. See? simply not yet explored by Europeans. The land already been here. So this, this nigga's going to this island that he thought he was going, and he stumbles upon a whole goddamn continent that's already taken shop. Now, this is South America. He never made it to North America. See what's going on? In fact, there was no such thing as South or North. Because remember, if I'm in North Philly and South Philly, I'm still in Philly, right? <laughs> Can, can anybody attest to that? So, so if you're on the south side, you're on the west side, you're still a part of the city, ain't you? So this is the concept. Later, they got us thinking that these are two different continents when North and South America, in fact, is the largest of all the continents. Let's keep it going. Where are we? Where are we? Okay. Columbus also thought about the compass variations and changes in the location of the stars that he had been noticing since the middle of August. From these, he started theorizing about the shape of the earth. And in the same letter to Ferdinand and Isabella, Columbus came to this startling conclusion. I find that it is not round as the authorities described it, but that it is the shape of a pear, of a pear which is everywhere very round except where the stalk is. For there it is very prominent, or that it is like a very round ball, and on one part of it it is placed something like a woman's nipple. So he's saying, yo, <laughs> yo, my man said <laughs> the globe ain't round. He said that the globe is, is the shape of a woman's breast. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting, ladies. He said the place is something like a woman's nipple and that this part where the uh, perturbance is found is the highest and nearest to the sky and it is beneath the uh, equinoctial line and in this ocean sea at the end of the east. I call that the end of the east where end all the land and islands remember the other side of the world the most extreme west but we're talking about the same land that's why the people look similar to the people on the other side of the world because we we indigenous to the entire planet columbus's conclusion about the shape of the earth led in quick succession to several other astonishing ideas on maps of the day east was usually placed up this is 
this is key family what if the maps we were looking at in school were all upside down put this in your mind for a second Columbus's conclusion about the shape of the earth led in quick succession to several other astonishing ideas on maps of the day east was usually placed up at the top often with the uh, terrestrial paradise the garden of Eden some what raised like a protuberance and also often surrounded by water or flames because the protuberance was at the end of the east Columbus deduced that it must be the place where the first light appeared because the sun when our Lord made it was at the first point of the east his mind was racing they had been sailing near the place where creation began so he's saying creation began in the Americas which is older but if the land was all connected it's the same age but this is why you're finding pyramids in the Americas and South America older than the ones they have in Egypt. We got it popping over here and perfected it over there. First, Egypt's in America. This great Khan he's talking about is the Grand Canyon. And they also found King, King Tut's mummified body in his tomb and all this in America. See, they don't tell you about the gold and all the shit they found in the America. And, and the hieroglyphics and all this stuff carved on the walls in the Grand Canyon. They don't tell you about all that. Because then you would connect two and two together. Interesting. Goes on to say, His mind was racing that he had been sailing near the place where creation began. The place where God had said, let there be light. Columbus knew his Bible well enough to know what followed as they sailed along he couldn't help but imagine they must be nearing the terrestrial paradise this was hardly a crazy idea many people today believe that the garden of eden was a real place and every so often archaeologists archaeologists proposed a possible site in the garden columbus knew that god had placed the tree of life and from its issues a fountain from which flow four of the chief rivers of this world the Ganges in India the Tangrius and Euphrates and the Nile one of which Columbus believed he had just seen his recent experience remember, remember what he just said and the Nile remember what I said the Nile River connects to the Mississippi River take you straight to Africa the other side of the world Columbus believed he had just seen it his recent experience may also have invoked a recollection from the 14th century account in John Manville's travels. Perhaps he had his copy on board. For Mandrill's uh, description of the terrestrial paradise had clearly influenced Columbus's thoughts about what he had just seen, heard, and experienced. The earthy paradise, so men say, is the highest land on earth. It is so high that it touches the sphere of the moon, for it is so high that Noah's flood could not reach it. Though it covered all the rest of the earth in the middle of paradise is a spring from which comes four rivers, which flow with so strong a current, with such a rush and such waves that no boat can sail against it. There is also such a great noise of waters, 
that one man cannot hear another. And so no man, as I said, can get there except through the special grace of God. The spring in paradise was the source not only of the four rivers, but was believed to travel through the center of the earth and rise up again in a well in Jerusalem. At the exact opposite side of the world, Columbus and Manville may also have been aware of the old myth that Dante recounted in the Paragorial, which claimed that the location of Eden was not only at the end of the east, but also at the extreme height of the world. But unknown, unlike either Dante, Dante or Man Manderville, Columbus had just heard the roar of waters and believed he actually come to the region where the uh, terrestrial paradise was located. Even actually come to the region where the terrestrial paradise was located, even if he could not see it. Because it was so high and had escaped the flood, some people thought that the paradise was protected by an unsurpassable sea. Others thought it was surrounded on all sides by a flaming sword. Based on what he had just experienced, Columbus decided that it was surrounded on what he had just experienced. Columbus decided it was surrounded neither by water nor by a flaming sword, but was both at the end of the east and at the extreme height of the world. No wonder the rivers flowed with such force. They were flowing down from the garden. Thus, it is not surprising that Columbus began to think he would have to sail up against the flow of the river, right? Because remember, the Nile River flows up or flows down or flows up south, so to speak. All of this shit is key because if you don't know how to navigate those seas, you end up lost. Thus, it is not surprising that Columbus began to think he would have to sail up against the flow of the river if he was to ever reach the uh, terrestrial paradise. While trying to decide what to do, Columbus must have mauled over the various stories about the Garden of Eden that came flooding into his mind. He knew the story of Seth, the son of Adam, who had been admitted to paradise, and he knew that an angel had given Seth three seeds from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which when planted would grow the wood of Christ's cross. So keep in mind, all of this stuff in the Bible is esoteric. But if you don't have a spiritual vibration, you're going to take all this shit literal. So now, remember I told you, our people were the ones who depicted these accounts in the book. So they were trying to find these places that the book spoke about. And the only people that could talk about these places were the people that actually lived there. Overstand. Because the story formed a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament, it was essential for the wider Christian scheme of salvation history. Since Columbus felt he had an important part in that scheme, he must have wondered if he, like Seth, might be admitted to the garden. Yet without a sign from God, Columbus did not dare to approach, thus paraphrasing Mandeville, he explained to the sovereigns to it, Save by the will of God, no man can come. He had come close enough. He knew its location. Columbus did not try to enter the terrestrial paradise, but he could not stop thinking about
about what his discovery might mean. Interesting. Let's bounce around. We got a few more uh, excerpts to add to this because this, this story is getting interesting. The more he's coming to, to explore this land, the more he's uh, finding what the Bible accounts is the land of the Garden of Eden. But keep in mind, the land was all once one landmass. So to say you're an African-American, you're incorrect, but you're correct. You're not an African-American, but you are from both continents, which was originally one landmass. But when I keep arguing that you different kinds of people, I disconnect you from your inheritance of the entire landmass. See, we got ancestors on both sides of the water. But we from here understand that but I'm not separating you from Africa when I say you from here let's get into it let's get into it I want to add something else to the record here we go uh yeah here we go the discovery the discovery of all the islands in the sea revealed millions of people listen to what I just said the discovery of all the islands in the sea revealed millions of people previously unknown to the Europeans. Millions of people already here. Millions. Not these few hundreds of thousands of so-called Native Americans that they wiped out. They would have to fight a war forever to wipe out the original inhabitants of two goddamn continents or the largest continent of all which they had to call it too. The discovery of the islands in the seas revealed millions of people previously unknown to Europeans, people who had to be converted to Christianity before the end. See, they didn't even know these people's faith. And remember, we believed in multiple variations of the one creator, but they were already naive, like, yo, we're going to get them the good book. When, how the hell are you coming to a land that's depicting what the, the, the garden looks like and you show up to the actual land. You don't think these people got a spiritual connection with the creator higher than yours? But that's their naivety. Interesting. The discoverer of all the islands and the sea revealed millions of people previously unknown to the Europeans. People who had to be converted to Christianity before the end. Converting all these newly discovered people so now you discover the land and you discover people, my nigga. Like, <laughs> it's like, yo, I discover you and I just change your name. Like, right. That's what they did to these so-called blacks, so-called Negroes, so-called colors. Why we got so many different names to further and further detach you from being the original inhabitants of the land that was here before these niggas even showed up. Converting all these newly discovered people, let alone the great Khan, to the Christian faith was one of Columbus's primary and most explicitly stated goals. At the end of the earth shall remember and shall be converted. All the ends of the earth shall remember and shall be converted to the Lord. And all the kindreds of the Gentiles shall adorn in his sight for the kingdom and the Lord's for the kingdom is the Lord's and he shall have dominion over the nation. 
Psalms 21. Now, the people that have dominion over the nation, he's talking about God's chosen people. He's talking about us. Now, they are the ones who converted to Christianity because they were the non-believers. They were the ones who needed to be civilized. See, we created all the religions to give you God's message where you are, to meet the people where they're vibrating. The oldest statue of the Buddha, he has locks in his hair. Show me some Asians, they got locks in their hair. Today they probably do. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? They're hiding the history right now. The 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 movie uh what what um Hidden Colors, you know, the, the brother um oh man, I forget the brother that created the Hidden Colors series. And this brother, you know, he's on to something with that, but the minute they keep saying that you black black and these people are black all around the world, your consciousness gets distorted. And you keep thinking these people call themselves also black. When black denotes to an unknown ancestry. Because we're not talking about black skin. 1681, these people became white. And they never had white skin. It was a concept of class. And black is a concept of class that denotes to civilitaire mortus. Look it up. Civilitaire mortus means your rights are civilly dead in the eyes of the law. How do you prove that? You're in the street screaming, Black Life Matters. See what's going on? When murder is still a crime. So a Chinese man ain't saying, Yellow Life Matters. You feel me? The cops shoot an Asian man, the whole community gonna get behind that dude. See what's going on? We're talking about nationality. One of the famous scholars of our time, Dr. John Henry Clark, he says, There's nothing wrong with black, nothing at all. It just doesn't tie you to a land, a language, or country. The proper name of a people must always relate to land, history, and culture. Land, history, and culture. You say you're an African. It's 52 nations in Africa. Which one you came from? Why don't you know? When you gonna find out? When you gonna stop saying you're an African-American? When you gonna stop saying you two continents? Make it make sense. When you are the original inhabitant of the planet. All of the damn continents. See what's going on? Interesting. Let's keep it going. Uh, yeah, we got a few more, few more uh, excerpts to put onto the record. And, and it's dope, right? Because this book, they actually show uh, writings from his diary, right? Which is kind of cool, right? If you want to, you know, show that to the babies and... You know, chop it up on that. So now with the discovery of the islands and all the people to be evangelized, Columbus had made possible two of the, the conditions necessary for Christian for Christ to return. But they were hardly the end of his but they but that was hardly the end of his mission. The conquest of Jerusalem was still the ultimate goal. To emphasize that point, Columbus drew his finger pointing hand next to a passage from Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 arise be enlightened O Jerusalem for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee he must have thought some action would be taken in this regard Columbus knew that Pope Alexander the fifth was a great supporter of crusades and he might have heard that in March of 1500s the Pope had assembled a meeting of ambassadors 
from several European countries asking that they unite and form a new crusade. Now keep in mind, the crusades was a time. See, they talk about slavery and they talk, well, crusades was the inception of slavery. Vidi Vedi Vici, right? In this sign we conquer. So they decided to pimp the book. There was nothing wrong with the book. It was the people giving you the interpretation. So they said, we're going to get a world Christianity. But basically the church say, I'm going to claim your land in the name of God. I'm going to take all your shit because God said it should be mine. See, they were pimping the word of God. None of that shit was meant to be taken literal. But if you have a spiritual vibration, you can pick up on to what the word's talking about. John first chapter, first verse. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Remember the book of Eli starring uh, Denzel Washington, the movie, the whole movie. He's blind, walking around with a Bible, walk by faith and not by sight. And the whole world's fighting for this Bible. This was the, 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 uh, the depiction of the Crusades, because those who have the Bible, those who have the people's faith, their belief, you can control the people. So their war was a religious war. So he's saying the Pope and all these people is putting together this bag to now... We're going to take over the people's land. But instead of us just raping and pillaging the land, we're going to tell them we're doing it in the name of God. We're going to take all your shit because <laughs> God said that, that we should be fruitful and multiply. You see what's going on? Those that have no God. So a lot of these books and these religions, we created to teach the uncivilized. See, we had the book, the word of God our heart that's the story of Moses when Moses put his hand inside his bosom and took his hand out and his dark hand was light and they took that shit literal and thought he had leprosy and he was a white man and a black man when he just pulled the light from his heart the ten commandments came from his own consciousness 40 days 40 nights he was in the wilderness came out the burning bush he cracked the dutch dumped the guts rolled a blunt sparked it up got in touch with the creator and started beaming up and that's what Moses did <laughs> overstand all of this shit is esoteric but the people that have no soul they was taking all this shit literal and that's why all of the religions are ran by these people where everybody's out here religious gangbanging you got churches set up across the street from each other beefing with each other they don't know God across the street come see us you know what I'm saying? Your pastor dancing all in the pew. You know what I'm saying? Your pastor off key. Your background dancers ain't hitting the organ right. Come to death row. You know what I'm saying? Come to our church. <laughs> like, but this is how the institutions are being ran. But they're all 501c3 spy centers to get a, you know, a, a tax incentive, a kickback, right? And, and remember, they're speaking of the church gearing up for these crusades. But then they speak of the Treaty of Verona, right? The Treaty of Verona, V-E-R-O-N-A. Treaty of Verona, Article 3. It's the oath that the clergy take to enslave the people by way of religion. Article 3, Treaty of Verona. Keep the people in a state of passive obedience. Keep them docile. And you can get a 501c3 tax incentive corporation. In the name of God. God did. Nah, nigga, the church did. <laughs> Rome did. That's what Jay-Z and I'm talking about. Rome did. Right. Render everything that Caesar under Caesar's, my nigga. But they were gearing up to now say we could take over these new lands and we do it by the way of saying we're going to liberate them religiously. Nerve of these niggas. 
but they're going to have to answer for this. So now continuing on. And he would have known that only Spain and Italy responded favorably. Sometime later, Alexander issued a papal bull authorizing crusades against the Turks. Now, when they say Turks, they're talking about Moors, i.e. they're talking about Africans, i.e. they're talking about melanated people, i.e. they're talking about war, war on anybody that's not a Christian, or rather anybody that doesn't practice Christianity the way we say it should be practiced. See the difference? That's why in this country you got 50, 60 different denominations of Catholic, Baptist, right? Seventh-day Adventists, all this other crazy shit. They created that convoluted water. When the creator's message was plain. John 10, 36, 34. Ye are gods. If he called them gods unto whom the word God came and the scriptures cannot be broken. You believe me when I say I'm the son of God. You say I'm blasphemous when I say that you are God. That's the Holy Scripture I'm reading. The whole book is telling you that you God and to not follow these false idols pretending to be of God. Matthew 15, 8. They confess my name with their tongue, but deny me in their hearts. The whole book was telling on these people. But if you're not reading this with your third eye high of a spiritual vibration, it's not going to connect with you. But also on the podcast, I have a series called The 40-Day Grand Ascension, right? 40-Day Grand Ascension. And I go over a lot of the scripture and I just pull out that spiritual light. You know what I'm saying? That, that game without the fluff. And as I said, I respect all the books and all the prophets. Because all the books were teaching you to master the heaven and hell that exists, that exists within your temple. Higher self, lower self. Man, this is interesting here. So they were talking about going to war with the Turks. And the whole crusade was going to war with the Moors. And here's what they did. They wiped the Moors off the face of the planet just by changing their names. Pay attention. The Moors lost their stronghold in 1492. When did Columbus set sail? 1492. They're telling you about the crusades when the church said, yo, we're going to claim the land. When he's saying, yo, it's millions of melanated people already on the land. Word. All right, let's convert these niggas. See what I'm saying? So they didn't take all these people from Africa because the oldest Coptic church in Ethiopia was practicing Christianity thousands of years before the, the, the Nicene Council and all this other shit. And that cross doesn't represent a white man dying with a cross. It represents the four cardinal points of the earth. North, south, east, west. Represents the four spiritual elements. Earth, air, water, fire. In fact, the swastika is that light or those elements in motion which will represent the sun because the swastika was the original symbol of peace but they reversed the flow of the swastika and made it evil and gave it the symbol of Hitler but that symbol was here carved on the walls in the Americas before Columbus arrived a little bit of game here we go here we go I got a few more a uh, few more sections to add and then we'll close out I don't want to. I don't want to give up the entire book, but that was a, a, a larger chapter that I just went over. But it was just to show you that you know the truth is in these books, you know, and they know that because we're in the information age that we're so distracted and everybody, you know, everybody's just doom scrolling on their timeline. Nobody has the, the attention span, right? This is why the the psyop of TikTok was created, right? TikTok is designed to deduce your brain cells or your attention span to that of a goldfish. Five to ten seconds. 
right? You scrolling. If you ain't hooked in five to ten seconds, you're gonna keep scrolling. Keep scrolling, keep scrolling. But the longer you do this, you deduce your brain circuits to now only process information incrementally. To where the average person is not gonna listen to an hour podcast, right? Salute to all those listening in. The average person is not gonna be tuned in. thought i had him charged up but uh, a lot of this is in uh this book here and it speaks of a lot of what columbus went through and it speaks of you know him not actually landing in north america you know and his son you know diego was the one who actually went to the america to north america right see in fact he didn't even know that there was two goddamn continents he just said yo this is a big ass landmass, and there's millions of people here in this mad islands and all of these people got dark skin. You don't say. My man. So so I encourage everyone to pick this book up, right? We'll close out there. Powerful book, uh, Columbus and the Quest to Find, excuse me, Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem. How Religion Drove the Voyages That Led to America by Carol Delaney. Powerful book. Pick that up. Add it to your library. Man, so a lot of the stuff with Columbus, right? Because even then, he died with no money, right? He died owning debts. Uh, they wouldn't even honor the stuff that the queen them said. They, once uh, Queen uh, Elizabeth, right, she died. She died from, you know, a disease. They said she had cancer at the time. All that damn money, and she died of cancer, right? Couldn't even cure that. But Queen Isabella died, and then... They reneged on all the promises that they offered Columbus. That's why they didn't even originally give him credit for discovering the land, right? They didn't because he didn't find the gold that they told him to find. But their whole mission wasn't solely the gold. It became the people. Right? We're we gonna rule these people by way of the church. This is why the Vatican got most of the world's property and, and the Vatican is, is its own city and it has its own bank. But even the concept of the Vatican. 1929 they were created after the stock market crashed where the vatican incorporated itself as its own entity and they copied that off of noble drew ali when he organically incorporated the more science temple of america not the institution but he laid claim to the continent for the indigenous people our people that were classified as negro blacks and colors which are of the moorish bloodline oldest bloodline connected directly to the blood of Christ. That's why they speak of Moors in the Bible. Now the Moor, the Jew, the Hebrew, we're all we're all the same people. They're talking about the same people. We're talking about us at different degrees of light. But they speak of Ruth the Moabitess, which is Yahshua's great, 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 great grandmother. She was a Moorish woman. What did the women look like when Columbus showed up to the land? He said they looked like the Moorish women of Spain. He's talking about in America. So what are we talking about? The same people. So if the Moors were expelled from Spain, where did they go? They got enslaved in the Americas, which they were already living. In fact, they got their names changed. Henceforth, they used to call us Blackamoors. Look up the term Blackamoor. You're going to see all these statues and all these people depicted like slaves, big eyes and big lips. Then they just said, oh, no. We're going to have to pay their ancestors. And once they state claim to the land that we stole from them, we can't call them Blackamoors. Let's take the moral off and just call them Black. See what's going on? 
but black all through history was a description never was an identity like someone with a black hat a blue t-shirt right it's a description but it doesn't tie you to a land language or culture the proper name of a people must always relate to land, history, and culture. And that's a quote from Dr. John Henry Carter. Salute to everyone tuning in. I give thanks. I give thanks. You spent your most valuable currency of all. You paid attention, right? You didn't have to. You can support the podcast by the following ways. You can subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms, Third Eye High. You can discuss what you heard on the podcast. You can share the podcast. If you want to Send a monetary donation. You can hit my cash app, dollar sign, far outflow, F-A-R-O-U-T-F-L-O-W. Dollar sign, far outflow is my cash app. But as I said, you already sent the donation. You paid attention. I give thanks. Until next time, I am your host, JF Bay. This is the Third Eye High podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. And I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. Until next time. Always keep your third eye high. I'll catch y'all on the next book review. Remember, you want to hide something from the most indigenous people of the land. You want to hide something from God's people. Put it in God's book. And the truth is hidden in all the books. I encourage us to just start opening these books and read it with your third eye high. Because God's word is your word. God, goddess, salute, peace, love, and more light.